Well, as we get back into our sermon series, The, the Journey, uh, after having taken a little bit of a break you know, over uh, Easter, looking at evidence for the resurrection, that it really fits well into where we were, because as we've seen in the last two weeks, the evidence is for the resurrection, you know, really evidence that demands us to really make a decision. Are we going to live completely for Christ or not? What Jesus sacrificed in, in the, just the physicality of the crucifixion to pay the wages of your sin and mine, the wages of all the world's sin, is absolutely amazing. And the evidences that we've been left both in God's Word and even as we look through history to prove that the resurrection took place are phenomenal. And it really demands us to make a decision. You know, but the, what we've looked at in the, in the evidence for the resurrection really fits into what we've looked at in the series, The Journey. Everything with the context of the gospel in mind. Because if the resurrection didn't take place, then what's the point in, in, in participating in spiritual disciplines? It makes no sense. It's but because the resurrection did take place, it all makes perfect sense. So just in quick review from where we've been, we've been looking at studying God's word in the context of the gospel. It's not just a pursuit of knowledge, it's the pursuit of making God's glory known from what we understand as we read the Word. It's not about praying just for the sake of trying to get God on our agenda. Prayer in the context of the gospel is us getting on His agenda. It's us, even as we ask in our, our petitions of God healing people or God doing things, we want God to do it in such a glorious way that everybody knows that He is the King of kings, that He is the Lord of lords, that He is the great I Am, and that when He chooses to speak and He chooses to heal, that all would know that He is God. Then we looked at membership, what it means to be a godly member in the context of the gospel, that there are no bench warmers, there's no sitting on the bench in church and not participating actively as a member of an active body of believers. And we looked at even giving in the context of the gospel. We looked at, there's no sense of just giving to keep lights on within the building, but there's in the context of trying to reach a mission like that, a vision of reaching 200,000 people with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, that makes sense, and it's exciting to give to. And so as we, we get back into it, and we even looked at fasting in the context of the gospel, you know, doing it for spiritual breakthroughs, but doing it so God's glory can continue to be made known, these things all make more and more sense. And so as we continue this morning, and we look at this series called the, the Journey, our journey in this relationship with Jesus Christ. And we look at what God is doing in our lives and the purpose of it is for His glory to be extended, His glory to be made known. And so we want to pick up today looking at being equipped, being equipped to extend God's glory. That, that's the whole purpose of everything is to, for us to extend God's glory and that God through the power of His Holy Spirit wants to equip us to do things that you and I couldn't do ourselves. And so we've seen in the last two weeks the evidence is for the resurrection. I want you to consider the excitement and the enthusiasm that would have been taking place post-resurrection as Jesus is walking on earth and people are seeing him. Imagine for those 120 believers you know, that they had faith in Jesus Christ as word started to spread that people had seen Jesus. Imagine the enthusiasm and the excitement of their conversations. People going, hey, did you hear it was the women first that saw Jesus? That those scaredy cat men were locked in a room? Hey, the women saw him first. And then he appeared to the disciples. And then he even appeared to doubting Thomas who wasn't sure. But hey, you know what? When Thomas saw him he didn't need to touch Jesus hands and his feet because as soon as he saw him he was 
100% convinced that he came back from the dead. Hey, did you hear about those, those guys that were walking back home after the, the crucifixion on the way to Emmaus that they saw Jesus? Did you hear that they didn't realize it until after Jesus had left them, that their eyes were opened up, that they had just... You can imagine all these conversations that were taking place and the excitement and enthusiasm every time God's people came together and were talking about the stories of what had taken place, updating one another. And and I'd imagine that they were telling everybody else, hey, did you hear? Did you hear Jesus came back from the dead? Acts 1.8 that we're very familiar with that says, you will be my witnesses. If I can just paraphrase it a little bit, that Jesus is saying, hey, what? You know what? You are my witnesses. You have seen me. So go tell everybody you're my witnesses everywhere you go. As you're in Jerusalem, tell them all that you've seen me. Tell them all that I've come back from the dead. And when you go out to Judea, you tell them there. Hey, even when you go to Samaria, those people that you don't like, tell them too, because I died for all of them. You are my witnesses. And so go tell them. But here's what's interesting. When you look at what Jesus said next, it's kind of mind-boggling, really. He just came back from the dead. All these people need to know that Jesus has risen from the dead. And here's what Jesus says. Hey, don't do anything. In fact, I want you to wait. Don't go out and tell everybody right now. I want you to wait. You know, if you turn with me to Luke chapter 24, it's, it's interesting as you look at what Jesus said. And, and Luke wrote both Luke and, and Acts that we'll, we'll spend some time in this morning. But when you look at, at, verses, at chapter 24, verses 48 through 49, here's Jesus' words. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here's Jesus telling them, yes, you are my witnesses, but wait, don't do anything. If you turn over a few pages to the book of Acts, and we look at the first five verses of the book of Acts, also written by Luke, who wants us to understand about the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said. He says, in my first book, O Theophilus, so that would be the book of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering for 40 days and and he appeared to them. He's speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John was baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Jesus, you know, after all these exciting things going on, I can imagine the enthusiasm that was present. He said, stop, don't do anything, but wait. Wait, because somebody, we'll see this a little bit more next week as we continue looking at the power of the Holy Spirit equipping us. What Jesus was saying, the Holy Spirit is better than I. Let that sink in for a moment. I know there's been numerous times in my walk, in my journey, where I said, you know what? Hey, if I could have been there on those 40 days and I could have seen him with my own eyes, it would have just changed everything. But do you understand what Jesus was saying? The Holy Spirit is even better than that. That's why he told him to wait. He told them to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit because in and of themselves, just with the knowledge that they had of seeing the risen Lord, that wasn't enough for them to go to every tribe, tongue, and nation and to 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 fulfill the Great Commission. They couldn't do it for themselves. And so if it was that important for those 120 believers who had seen Jesus with their own eyes, how much more important is it for us to be empowered 
by the Holy Spirit. That number over there on the wall, 200,000 by the year 2020. There is no way that we can do that on our own strength. There's no way. But through the power of the Holy Spirit equipping each of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, as we go out and we see the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us today, as we allow the Spirit to empower us to communicate with our spirit, to say the right things, to remind us of God's Word, to remind us of Jesus, I'll tell you what, that number, 200,000, is nothing. I believe we can see it happen in a short, short period of time. But only through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting that if you were to read the book of Acts, let's say that you were on a desert island, that you, you, you uh, washed up on a desert island, it was just you, and the only thing that you had on there was a New Testament. The only thing you had to read, and so you're bored out of your brains. Let's just say you've never even read the Bible before, but since it's the only thing, you're reading through the New Testament. You come to the book of Acts. What would be your conclusion about the Holy Spirit as you read the book of Acts? Would it even be possible to conclude that the Holy Spirit was not incredibly important. It wouldn't be. As you read through the book of Acts and you see what the Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost, what you see the Holy Spirit did through the apostles as they performed miracles, what you see the Holy Spirit doing in helping them remember things and communicating to people, there's no way you would come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit wasn't incredibly important. Yet in churches today, even in the Baptist circles, we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit. Part of that is because some people have put such emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the emotional side with that that we say, well, that's not exactly accurate. So we'd rather shy so far away from it that we don't even talk about it at all. I was reading a book this week and, and a true story was told in the book of this uh, female Christian artist. And so she was pretty good artist and she had, a lot of people had encouraged her to write it, write some songs and record an album. So she finally decided she was going to do so. So she rented out a recording studio and she came in there. They got all the sound checks just right. And she began singing the first song and got about halfway through and she just stopped. And she said, you know what? He's not here. There's no use. Now the guy who was running the this, this studio wasn't a Christian and he's thinking, looking around, who, who's not here? So she stops and she prays and she prays over asking that he would show up and, and uh, she starts singing again. And two lines into the song, she stops and said, he's not here, there's no use. And this went on a couple times and then she, she finally calls a bunch of her friends and said, he's not here. If he's not here, there's no use in me doing this. And so shortly after her friends come and they bring these little jars of oil and they start walking around the stage and they are anointing all the microphones and everything with oil and they're praying that the Holy Spirit would show up. And the guy, you can imagine the guy in the sound booth going, what are they doing to my equipment? They're getting grease all over it. And so she begins to sing again. Same thing. He's not here. There's no sense. They, they pray longer and louder. And, you know, and, and the whole time this going on, you can imagine the guy in the sound booth, he's thinking, this is some crazy stuff, but hey, they've, they've paid me for my time. And as he's looking at the board, he realizes that the reverb on her mic is turned all the way down. So as they're praying, he turns it up a little bit. She starts singing. Lo and behold, she says, he's here, he's here. And the guy's going, no, he's not. But he doesn't have the courage to tell them that he's not here, that all it is is reverb. You see, in Baptist circles, we so shy away from the Holy Spirit because that's the idea that we have, this emotionalism that we sometimes tag with the Holy Spirit and this feeling that we go to the other extreme and we don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. 
And so today, as we go through our time, I want to encourage us by what God's word says, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, so that we can have a greater understanding of who he is and what he wants to do. We're, we're all familiar with Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You know, and if we're going to be equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we need to understand a few things that the Holy Spirit always illuminates God's word and glorifies Jesus. Always. Matter of fact, if somebody tells you, hey, I got a word from the Spirit and they don't talk about God's word, guess what? It wasn't a word from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses God's word. You know, we know in, in Second Kent or Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen that all Scripture is is breathed out by God. It's it's it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is essential. We need to understand that this is God's word. You know, where sometimes there's mystery behind the Holy Spirit, we're not quite sure. One thing we know is that this is God's word, that everything it says in here is truth. But the Holy Spirit always illuminates Jesus. He reveals Jesus in greater ways. In John 15, 26, Jesus actually said this, when the Helper comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send, he's going to be sent from the Father. He will be the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. And he will bear witness about who? Me, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will always bear witness and, and reveal Jesus more. In John 16, 14, he said, Jesus said this, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal more truths about who Jesus is, help us understand Jesus more, the teachings of Jesus, in even greater ways than we can remember. But here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to help you remember God's words. Those words that we've hidden in our heart, you know, even as children, we've memorized all these scripture. The scripture that we've memorized, the Holy Spirit has access to and can bring back to our minds in times where we're trying to make God's glory known to somebody. But remember that these 120 people, they didn't have it written down yet. And so they're trying to remember what Jesus has taught. And Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit would help you. In John 14, 26, it says, the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. Could you all use any of that? There's somebody that's going to help you remember God's word. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that we don't even teach these things very often in, in the church. That Here's the role that the Spirit wants to play. He wants to help you remember things in the midst of conversations when you're trying to draw somebody closer to Jesus Christ. If you're praying, say, Holy Spirit, please let me see what's going on here. Help me say the things that you give me the words to say. And then we wait. Oftentimes at the end of conversations like that, people, and, and I had one of the ladies in the first service come up to me and she was sharing a story of when she was working where somebody had said something and, and all the ladies that were listening to the conversation came up and said, that was the perfect thing to say. And she, this was her word. She said, you know what? I wish I could remember what I said. I said, well, you know what? Don't worry about it because the spirit doesn't usually work the same way twice. You look all through God's word and He's, he works differently every time. But here's another one that we have to understand that the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin. 
You know, that's not our job. We as Christians don't have to convict people of sin. Yes, there's a time in God's word to use to point people back to God's word for training and rebuke so that we can all be equipped for righteousness. But it's not our job to play the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 8, it says when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We don't have to do the job of the Holy Spirit. That's his job. It should take the burden off of us. How many times have you either heard or maybe somebody has said something to you where they were trying to play the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's not our job. And so be relieved of that. But there's one more thing that we need to understand, and this is why the importance of the Holy Spirit. If you don't get anything else from this morning, get this. The reason we need the Holy Spirit is because we can do absolutely nothing without him. In John 15, 5, Jesus was saying this, I am the vine. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. We're never going to accomplish that. There is no way on our own strength that we are going to reach and impact 200,000 people with a life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ on our own strength. We can't do it. These 120 people, most of whom were blue-collar workers, uneducated people, they couldn't do it. The Great Commission does not rest on our shoulders. It rests on His. He told us to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But how? He said, you will be whose witnesses? My witnesses. He will give us the power and the strength. The weight of the Great Commission rests upon the shoulders of God himself because he's the only one that has the strength and the power to do what needs to be done so that it can go forth. We're not smart enough to figure out how to do that. It's not about knowledge. It's not about book knowledge. It's not about just reading God's word. It's about yielding to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that he equips us for every good work. It's not a one-time equipping where, okay, I got it. Now I can go do what I want. No, it's this ongoing equipping for every single good work that he has for us. Sometimes I think that all of the spiritual, biblical education actually hinders the Holy Spirit more than it helps the Holy Spirit. What we really ought to do is train people how to yield to the Holy Spirit because when we don't, we get in the way. Those in the early church, those 120 people, they got it. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in an amazing way that we'll talk a little bit more about next week. But they turned the world upside down on its head through the equipping of the Holy Spirit in their life. But I want you to see something else. When God's Spirit equips us and empowers us, it is for the purpose of extending His glory. His glory, not ours, not this church, not any other church, extending his glory and making his glory known. Let me ask you a question. Perhaps you've never thought about this before. As you think back through the Old Testament, even Jesus, the, the manifestations of God on earth, whether it was a burning bush or the pillar of fire or Jesus himself, how many places was God in at that time? One, right? Now, since Jesus left, and the Holy Spirit has come and indwelt every single believer. How many places is God now? 
Now, I understand that God is everywhere. I understand that, that he's not limited to time or space. But do you understand that now through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, every single believer's life, that the opportunity for God's glory to be extended is absolutely amazing as we individually yield to the Holy Spirit, that even the influence of those of us in this room this morning, that everywhere we go this week is the opportunity for God to make his glory known through you wherever you are. How awesome is that when you start thinking about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The same power that gave life to a dead man can give life to us who are dead in our sins and our transgressions. Why? To make his glory known to those who don't know him. That's being the church. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 8. As we, we see this unpacked throughout God's word in various different places, it is amazing to me what God wants to do. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. Here's what the, the writer of Romans, what he says. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us so that we have life that we could not generate on our own to empower us so that we can make God's glory known in the same way that these 120 believers who were uneducated people, they saw Jesus with their own eyes. They are witnesses to Jesus, but when the Holy Spirit empowered them, they were able to communicate in ways that made the most educated spiritual people in all the land look silly. If you turn over a few more pages to Hebrews you look what the, what the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. It says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought you again from the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with every good work, with every good thing that you may do what? His will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That he may equip you to do his will for his glory. That we have the spirit of the living God inside of us that that, that gave the power over death that can give you power over death that can equip you to do what we can never do on our own to fulfill God's will to extend his glory to all the nations. Do you realize the immensity of the Great Commission? Every single tribe, tongue, and nation, God's saying, go get them. But realize that the burden is not on us, it's really on Him. But as we will yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to equip us to be who He desires for us to be, in that moment, He'll give us the words to say if we've hidden His word in our heart, He'll give us an understanding that we could never understand on our own to understand what's going on in somebody's life, to give the right words, to, as we continue to pray, God, let me be a part of making your glory known in a way that I can't take credit for. He shows up and does something absolutely amazing. 
And he probably will never do it the same way again. That's why in every moment that we need to yield to him, it's kind of like a ship. It's a lot easier to steer a ship that's already in motion than it is to move a ship that's not moving anywhere. In fact, if you think about a great big ship, you can move it if it's not already under propulsion, but you need something else. You need a tugboat or something else to pull it with or push it with. But when it's under power, a very small rudder steers it where it needs to go. You see, when we, by faith, are moving forward and we are walking by faith and we are intentionally trying to make God's glory known, then the Holy Spirit is, can steer us and direct us to that maybe that neighbor who you think is furthest away from coming to Christ or that co-worker that has been so cold for all these years that God, as we are intentionally looking to make his glory known, he steers us to where they are. He initiates a conversation that maybe he gives you a question to ask on the spur of the moment. As we do that, he begins to make his glory known by giving us the words to say, helping us remember certain scriptures that when they ask questions, we're able to answer things that, you know what, we probably really didn't know in the first place. We had no training. Well, guess what? You really don't need much training. Study God's word. Reading God's word in the context of the gospel so we can make God's glory known, yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be a part of him extending his glory to even those people that we would think are the furthest from the gospel. That's being the church. But here's the question. Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit in such a way that is allowing him to equip you and empower you to do what he wants you to do? Realize this, it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process where we need to be yielding to the Holy Spirit and say, God, let me see what's going on around me at every moment of the day, whether it's at work, whether it's in the checkout counter, wherever it is, God, let me see what you're doing. Open my eyes to what's going on so that I can, by faith, begin to walk. It's much easier for the Holy Spirit to move when, and steer us and direct us when we're already moving forward. If God could use a bunch of simple fishermen, He can use you. He can use me. It's not about a seminary degree or more knowledge of God's Word. It's simply about yielding to the Holy Spirit. If we want to reach 200,000 people by the year 2020, this is really the only way it's ever going to happen, is that we individually yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives and we let Him use us in ways that we would never be able to figure out on our own. And then we come back to church on Sundays and we start telling those stories of what God did all week. We start bringing people with us that have come to faith in Jesus Christ and we tell the story that, let me tell you what happened in this person's life. And we get excited. And that same enthusiasm that took place on those 40 days when Jesus was walking the earth after the resurrection is the same enthusiasm that can take place in the church as we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We seek to be a part of God making His glory known and just using us as a conduit and a vessel to be able to extend His glory. Are you willing to be equipped by the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask as we come to our time of invitation that you just... Make that declaration to God as scary as a proposition of that may be. Say, God, I have no idea what that even means, but I'm willing, but I don't know how.
And I'm going to ask that you would continue to help me to understand. Help me to see things that I can't see so I can be a part of what you want to do through your church this week in Williamsburg and around. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for how you glorify yourself through us as just mere sinners. God, thank you for what you've done in our lives to transform our lives, to redeem us and, and bring us to yourself. But God, we, we confess we don't necessarily understand the Holy Spirit. There's a mystery that surrounds, and, and we don't even understand how you want to use us. And God, if we're honest, we're not even so sure that we can be used. But God, I pray as we walk by faith and we declare our desire to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, God, that you would give each and every one of us an opportunity to make your glory known this week. And then, God, you would allow us to share that, that we wouldn't hide that under a bushel and keep it to ourselves because we think it's insignificant, that we would come back and we would share the stories of how you empowered us and equipped us this week to draw somebody just a little bit closer to you. God, we thank you in advance for how you will bless us as we yield to your spirit in Jesus' name.